Welcome to Think to Film Podcast, where we read the book and then see the movie. I'm the writer. And I'm the filmmaker. And this week, we discuss the second half of Jeff Vandermeer's 2014 weird sci-fi novel, Annihilation. Now let's read this moldy journal and find out what happened to the 12th expedition. finished the novel and uh, I have a lot to say about it and a lot I'm still kind of thinking about with this uh, weird book what about you James what did you think just in general yeah I mean in just in general we talked about how weird this book was and I think it got even weirder and <laughs> I liked it more for that like I, I felt like yeah. I kind of had a I felt like I kind of had a, a hint at where it was going and it and it surprised me so it was fun yeah I uh, I this book this book is so polarizing. Like even I've, I've been talking to people about it and, and I encounter people who are like, Oh, I love that book. And then I get people who go, Oh, I love that book except for the ending. And I get people who just like couldn't get into it. And so it's interesting, the spectrum and, and I, you know, I'm still kind of figuring out where I come on it. I think I just really, I think I just love this book. Um, I guess I can see where people might not like certain things, but there's a, I mean, I'm not, we're not going to spoil, I should say, we're not going to spoil anything right now. This is, this is safe for, uh, for that. Um, but we're, we'll get into specifics a little later and we'll, we'll let you know. But yeah, so in a general way, this book is a very unique story. And because of its uniqueness, it has a very unique plot and it has a very unique climax and turning point that I felt were appropriate for the book it is. But I can see how, Maybe if you're not quite on board with what kind of book you're reading, or maybe you think it's a different kind of book than it is, and that still sounds like I'm saying people are wrong, and they're not wrong. It's just an interpretation of the text, and if, in those cases, you might be expecting something different than what you get here. So I, I agree with you. It, it definitely can feel a little polarizing, but it's funny that you say that people felt that some people feel that the ending gets too weird or whatever it is. Um, but I actually felt like throughout the whole book, I was enjoying myself. And then the last, like, I would say like the last part of the last chapter made me like really, I like made me love this book. Like the, where it ended up made me like it more than the rest of the book leading up to this. Wow. Cool. Cool. I'm excited to get into specifics about that sort of thing. So I just want to take a moment before we get into spoilers and, and thinking back about how we felt about the first three parts of this book, the, you know, the first half, you could roughly say, and, wh- and where we're at now. You, you just said that maybe you, you appreciated it even more with the ending, but how did your perspective change over, over the course of reading this book? And do you want to alter anything you said in the first episode and, and maybe change it? Um, I feel like I was biting on the fact that something was happening to our main character and I I thought I had it all figured out kind of like I kind of I expected there to be twists and turns and and but I thought that the twists and turns were were a little predictable or I felt like they were and then in the end they weren't um Mm. or at least some of the things that I thought would happen did happen but not exactly how I thought that they would and then there's a there's a little ambiguity and a little um conspiracy that I wasn't really that I wasn't really expecting so all in all I think 
in the first episode, I seemed like, like I kept saying like, oh, I feel like I know where this is going. Yeah, I can see that this is leading to this. And, and at the end of the day, I, f- I was kind of wrong. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess I never really felt like I knew where this was going. It, it, it continued to surprise me. And I would say all the way up to the end, it continued to be a really interesting. I, I don't know if I want to say pleasant surprise, but uh, fascinating surprises. Uh weird surprises and, and and that's why i say that it felt it felt right for this book and it's and it's kind of, kind of a non-traditional form i would say the end is kind of non-traditional but that fits this novel which is a very weird novel um i i, I don't know how much we can really say about it without specifics so i think the only other topic i wanted to I wanted to get in unless you have something else for before we get to spoilers is general thoughts about the the movie that's being made um if there's any any thoughts you have that don't require spoiler knowledge uh about the about the movie that that, that's coming up by alex garland that we're going to cover well i mean the i'm really excited for the for the the movie and i've only seen the first trailer that came out and i purposely stayed away from all other uh marketing materials so from what i I have watched that that first trailer a couple times now once having since finished it and uh, I think we're in for an interesting movie. Um, I had heard from some people that that this story this story here was like kind of not adaptable. Like it was just one of these movies that like was going to be really hard to, or sorry, stories that would be really hard to make into a movie. And uh, having finished the book now and then looking at the trailer, it seems like Alex Garland's going to go and he's making some decisions that are different than the than the source material. Um, mm-hmm. But knowing how the ambiguity of the story. And how ultimately there's like some of the things that become uh, like kind of I don't I, without getting spoilery like trippy like there's some some trippiness to it and like some yeah. surreal things that are going on. Uh, that's where I feel like people were like, oh, you can't really adapt that. And so I think he's gonna shy away from from getting really like metaphysical or or like you know what i mean or may- or maybe he's found a way to film it and he's going to blow our minds you know i i'm really curious to see how he handles that stuff in particular and and yeah it, it, how how much he can cuz there's such a feeling to this book right there's so much that's bound up in perception and feeling and in a book you're reading it and the he the we're reading her, the biologist's journal and she even says uh, how she's struggling to put it into words and how she knows that there's gaps in her memory and that she's filling in details with things that seem more real than they really are. And all that she's doing all this work to explain the unexplainable. And that's really cool. And it works in a book. And I'm just, I am really curious to see how he can do that in a movie where, you know, a camera is like, you know, I, I don't know if this is true, but I always feel like, you see what you see like it's hard to it's hard to show perception because it feels omniscient i guess now i'm sure there are tactics you can use to, to tie it closely to perception but definitely yeah i mean there's definitely techniques that people will use you, you know you've got like your the the ways that that filmmakers get into like that that level that that writers are at where you're getting the thoughts are either vo which we're not, I doubt we get any, I mean, we might get some VO, but, uh, I'm assuming that means voiceover. Yeah. Voiceover, um, like flashbacks are a big device that people use in film. And there Um, are a bunch in this, in this book too. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm sure he'll use a bunch of that. 
Um, and then dream sequences are often used to kind of get at like rather than showing you something that's like actually happening this you can kind of perceive things from that like how characters are feeling or other things like that but yeah like you say um it's really hard to to show it's going to be hard i i I mean i give him props because i've heard that it's it's pretty good um haven't seen it yet or anything but just in general the talks are are that it's pretty good so for him to it seems like he's been able to to reach this level of uh, I don't know craft where it's like you're you're letting the audience think for themselves and not just showing them everything. Yeah, I wonder how closely tied to Natalie Portman's character we will be, which is the biologist in this book. And are we? Is everything we see through the camera going to be how she perceives things, or are we going to get more like this is how it really is? You know, one cut, and then maybe it'll cut to how she's seeing it and show the kind of juxtaposition between those two, or if we're always going to only see what she sees. That's something I'll just be paying attention to as, as I see the movie, you know? Yeah, definitely. Because what, what I would like to see is some unreliability, because we we get that in the novel. We get yeah. the unreliable narrator who we don't really know when to believe her, what's true, and that kind of thing. And I'd like to see some of that on screen. But again, that's really tough to show and for to have audiences like come along on that journey with you to not, you know, people can get lost pretty easily if you start to get too, too into that kind of stuff. Yeah, I guess the only other thing I wanted to say about it is this. I felt like this novel leaves room for follow up novels. And, and, you know, this is a famously a trilogy that was released the same year. So and I think even though this story is self-contained. And I think it is. It leaves room for more stories to be told involving this character and Area X and and all kinds of stuff. So so because of that, you're not going to answer every mystery. So much like the TV show The Leftovers, I think one thing I would tell people going into this movie is don't expect to have the answers given to you about everything that's going on. Some of it is still going to be on a, like on kind of inexplicable. And that might be frustrating for people. And I, I think it might be frustrating for people reading this book too, you know? Like there are certain mysteries I really wanted to know the answers to and we just don't get them. I'm in the camp of, of I I find those those little things that we don't necessarily know. I, I think it makes for, for a good first novel or first story when you have something like that for people to grab onto. I don't necessarily mean like the mystery box-ness of like a J.J. Abrams where it's like, these are all the things that you'll be fixated on because these are the specifics. You know what I mean? So in like a in like a The Force Awakens, everybody's going to be fixated on who's raised parents, okay. and those are like very specific um, things that like JJ wanted the audience to be thinking walking down. Who is Snoke? Where did he come from? Those are the kinds of like things that people were like, oh, in the sequel, we're going to get those answers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like the, I feel like this story has has those sprinkled in but i don't think that they're as they're they're kind of just like something that we're interested in but at the end of the day if we never got that information it wouldn't it wouldn't really affect us that much it would be more it would make it it would keep that story mysterious like uh, we'll get into it in spoilers because i don't so you're really... saying maybe some more peripheral details that aren't as um integral to understanding the story are withheld from us to like add mystery with this story, we're reading her journal. So we're pretty close to the biologist and she's, she's telling us certain things that, that are happening, but we, so like other things that we know, other things are going on in the background, but they don't necessarily need to be answered because it doesn't pertain specifically to the biologist. 
Yeah, and I also I also would add I, I agree with you in that regard, but I think I would also add that much like the leftovers, which I mentioned earlier, which not a lot of people saw, but if you did, you know what I'm talking about. Um, this this book is about the unexplainable to me. Like at its heart, a big theme of this is like the unexplainable nature and alienness of of the world and of and of life and of even our nature and then but it's kind of area x takes that to the nth degree and because of that it's never going to actually answer those questions because to answer them would be to render them answerable which would undercut the whole point of the book right so in this i guess in that sense like i didn't expect to get everything answered for me and 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 we get we get some answers i don't want to i don't want to act like we don't we get nothing we do get some um, but a lot of it's still left for, you know, personal interpretation and often is undercut with a sense of like, maybe I'm wrong about this because we're getting it from this one character's perspective. And even she recognizes that her perceptions are limited. Yeah, we definitely do get some answers, uh, for the biologists and, and some of the things that happened, but I almost feel like in the sequel novels, and I don't know what happens in the sequel novels, I almost feel like it would, uh, it would kind of be a bummer if we got all of the answers. You know what I mean? Like it would take away a lot of the mystery for me. Yeah, I also haven't read them. I should I should say, you know, I don't have any answers here because I haven't read those novels either. I agree. I think I expect I would expect when I read these novels that they would add more mystery, give us some answers, withhold others, maybe take things we thought were true from the first book and maybe make make it seem like maybe they weren't true. And I would expect the whole trilogy to just be a huge mindfuck. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah, I agree. I, I would be disappointed if it was like by the end of it, I felt like I knew everything was explained because I just don't think that's what this this book, Annihilation at least, is about. It's about the unknowable. So, it, you know, for the sake of us uh, getting into the specific details, I think we should move on. Um, we're going to, I think, get into spoilers now if, if you're ready. Let's do it. I got a lot to say that I've been holding back. <laughs> <laughs> okay all right full spoilers so um w- what i was trying to get at is basically if uh so area x is this is this really interesting place with a lot of like goings on that we come to find out might be due to like i i don't know if you got the same read as i did but i felt like there might have been some nefarious government stuff that that like i don't know it it got super super convoluted a little bit in there yeah where it was like i felt like the government it was the government's fault all this was happening i felt like there was like something not necessarily alien like not aliens were coming down or anything like that but it was like though i don't know (laughs) aliens it's like it's like other dimensions like whatever whatever it was some sort of other thing Right. I don't necessarily, I don't want that answered. Like I would rather it be like, oh my God, area X is super weird and we can't figure it out. And I would hope that, like you said, the, the next couple novels we get into, like, I mean, maybe they find out kind of what happened, but I don't want it to be like, oh yeah, it's aliens. And they just came down and, and decided to, to colonize this area. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think as polarizing as this book is, uh, from what I understand, the next two books are, are just as polarizing, if not more polarizing. Um, so I don't know. That's something I kind of want to discover myself. I think I will read on, but I think we should get to the plot breakdown and then, uh, maybe at the end we can kind of revisit all this stuff once we've, once we, once we establish what actually happens, right? Right. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay. So we are, let's launch into part four, which is called immersion. 
we just left our biologist had just seen the body of the psychologist down on the on the beach right last we left at the end of last episode yes and i think we we had a little back and forth about whether she was alive or dead yeah and you kind of made me feel like after that episode that she was going to be dead i was like maybe she is dead and then she wasn't dead Yeah, she wasn't dead, but it's funny because it, it's even a misdirection too. Because she seems super dead, right? This does a lot. Um, he does this a lot where he'll take a a uh, a big twist and he'll start to go to it. So the the psychologist on the beach, and then he'll give us a flashback, and then the flashback bleeds into the discovery, and he's doing that here. And I noticed this was something he was doing throughout the novel, which I thought took great effect because what he does is he draws out the anticipation of that moment and the mystery of that moment. And he kind of withholds the information from you for a little bit. So he starts this off by recalling, our biologist is recalling the psychologist interviewing her and asking all these questions. And I thought this was cool too, because you would get the question and it would be like, uh, what were your parents like? And then you'd get her response, which was normal. And then in italics, you would get her real thoughts about it. And it would be like, actually they weren't normal. They were the, you know, my mother drank a lot or whatever my, you know, I can't remember, but I thought that was a cool technique, too, because we're getting like we're getting multiple things. We're getting what she's telling the psychologist and we're also getting the real answer. I really like that. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, she gets these questions asked of her. Um, and, and and you know what? I want to stop a second, too, and talk about this as a kind of a writer thing. But this is something I, I, I try and tell people a lot, you know, for what it's worth. And I think this is an evidence of it here. I always say that uh, characterization is an ongoing thing throughout the entire novel you're writing or multiple novels you're writing a series. It's an, it's a, it's a job that is ongoing always. And it's, and I think there's a mistake that can be made where you think like, I just got to set up this character early, you know, show who they are. And then now we know who they are. We're just going to follow them and they're going to go through the plot. But this is a great example because we're learning things about this character. We're learning things about how she feels about her parents, about how she feels about the world we're learning those kind of things throughout this entire novel. What her relationship was like with her husband. These are all characterizing things for for the biologist. And it's not like Jeff Vandermeer sets down at the beginning of the book and lays it all out for us and says, this is who this woman is. Let me give you all the details you need to know. Okay, now let's get to the adventure or whatever. You know what I mean? Like It's a, a constant state of characterizing this, this main character. And I think that's really cool. And I think it's something for writers to pay attention to because we always can get to know people better. And I think throughout a book, part of the joy of a book is like feeling like you're really getting to know a character. And that definitely goes on here. Yeah. um, Specifically in this case, I I really like what you said right there. I really liked in this novel how we started out with this character that we saw there. All of the characters names were just their titles. Um, We they felt kind of distant and like inhuman to us. And we get this biologist who's kind of infected or, or like um, she's being assimilated. And as she becomes, for us as the reader, as she's becoming more inhuman, the writer is humanizing her with flashbacks and making us yeah. like drawing us closer to that character. So I just thought that was such a cool, as, as she's becoming more inhuman, she's becoming more human in our eyes. And the, the things that she's going through, we become more sentimental too i guess yeah and even as she's is she's transforming before our eyes we also be, i don't know like i started to believe her more and and and, and understand her more and, and connect with her more so yeah that is a really cool cool thing he's doing there 
So that's what the, I think this serves as. And it's also uh, characterizing the psychologist a little bit, too, because we find out that the psychologist is very frustrated with her in this moment because she knew that she was lying. But then also, and I love this, too, there's a little turn where the character goes, but maybe it convinced the psychologist I'd be good for this expedition because I sh was showing resiliency and stuff. So who knows? It's kind of mysterious. But then all of a sudden we're back at the present and we see her finding the psychologist's body. And what's happened is the psychologist has somehow fallen off of the light tower and is now at the base with like her leg folded underneath her and is just like sitting there and I thought dead, but then it's revealed she's still alive. And she even says, I don't know how she's still alive. Um, and it, either she was pushed or she fell or she jumped. It's unclear. And when she touches her, uh, the psychologist uh, goes, Annihilation, <laughs> which I thought was really interesting. Like, you know, that's the name of the book. So I immediately kind of sat up and listened to that. I always have that moment in movies when, when they say the, the title of the, the movie. I'm always like, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird thing. You know, it's kind of meta, too, because, you know, I, I also wonder if if he had the name of the book already. You know what I mean? And then or if it was something later after the book was finished, because sometimes that's when the title happens. Right. And he looked through it and he found this word, this phrase. And he's like, this is a good title. You know, I don't know. It'd be an interesting question to ask him. I always find titles to be like really fascinating, like people's process, like you were just saying, whether people think of a name beforehand, because some people really do that. They'll think of a yeah. name and then they'll just extrapolate sure. out from that. And but other people will write an entire story, not know what it's called, and then kind of just title it as it's right before it's published or whatever, right before they send it out to somebody. Yeah, I'm more the latter. I, I've definitely found that I tend to have like a placeholder title that often gets changed. Um, further, further complicating things is titles for books, especially can get changed by publishers who will look at a title and say, this is fine, but it's not going to sell. And then they do a market research thing and they, they determine that some other form of title needs to be <laughs> what's there because it'll sell more books. So sometimes it even comes down to the publisher. Yeah, so it's interesting because the psychologist thinks, she sees her and she's like, didn't I kill you? <laughs> like she thinks she's killed her in the past, which I thought was really interesting. Um, I, I want to I also say that as we go through the plot of this book, it's, we're not going to do it justice. Like, don't, don't, don't be under any illusions about us doing justice to this story. And it's probably why this is kind of disjointed feeling as we talk about it. Because <laughs> this book, it's an experience, and there's so much undercutting of things that happen with a character going, this is how it is, and then at the very end going, and maybe that's not how it went. And maybe I'm misremembering it. Maybe it was this other thing. And so then you're left with this, like, I don't know what to say kind of thing. So I'm, we're just going with what appears to be what's happening. And then who knows what actually happened, right? Uh, yeah, I think we would both also say that for our podcast in general, I think we've said this many times before, but yeah. we, we kind of think that the best way to experience this is like a companion piece to whatever work we're covering. Yes. So like you can listen along to the story and kind of get the plot plot points. And if you're the kind of person who isn't really interested in reading the book, but wants to watch the movie or isn't interested in the movie or e either way, I, I think that ultimately you're going to have a better time if you are knowledgeable about the material. Like you've read yeah, it. Yeah, or at the very least, like you said, like you've seen the movie maybe, and now you're coming back to find out what what happened in the book. Um, right. That would be, maybe be a way to do it, I guess. But yeah, I, I agree. I think the best way to do it is to use this as like a reading companion. That's, that's kind of how I envision it. Anyway, let's go on. Um, so even as she's sitting there, she says that she saw the biologist coming like a flame across the salt flats, um, says that she's changed, the biologist has changed and 
which is interesting because the biologist reacts to that and like 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 kind of resists that. It says I haven't changed. You know what I mean? I'm just as human as you. And then. The psychologist tries to hip- hypnotize her, but it doesn't work. And then she reveals, uh, I mean, this is a little bit of a conversation, but I'm shortening it. So this is, uh, she reveals that when she saw the biologist coming, she tried to shoot at her, but found that she couldn't do it. And then instead, she leapt from the lighthouse because something unseen was like pursuing her or maybe inside of her. And then she, and she, she, so she jumped off of the top of the lighthouse is what we found so- happened. What did you what did you think? Do you think that there was actually something there? Do you think that it was some sort of other power, like some other hand guiding fate of what was supposed to happen there? Like do you think that like Area X forced her to do it? I mean, I, I'm gonna ask you the same question because I don't think I have a good answer for this. Um I, I this is something that is ultimately mysterious to me. Um I do think a lot about I don't know, did you watch that Vsauce three video I mentioned last time? Um no, parasites? I haven't watched it. No. Okay, you should you should check that out. And one of the reasons is that it's a lot about how these like parasites get into animals and force them to do things, and it like changes the way they think. Right. And that I, I, that's the one thing I keep coming back to is that these all these people have been infected or whatever have some sort of fungal growth that is inside of them, and seems to have some sort of alien. And I say alien in the sense of like other, not necessarily space. I don't know. Um, but some sort of otherness, other purpose that is unknowable. And this other purpose can compels them to do things. It compels our main character and it compels all the other characters, I think. And I think here, why it compelled her to jump off, I don't know. Why did it compel all the other people to shoot each other? There's a lot of like destruction, annihilation, you could say. Um and it's like maybe there is this is some sort of war against society and people and it's just being waged in a really weird way. I don't know. Um, but I I would love. What do you think? Do you have any thoughts about this? So I'm and I'm in no way am I saying that this is the correct answer, but this is what I got out of it was kind of um, and this you see this with a lot of stories where you get like the, this chosen one moniker on your characters. So I feel like she because I feel like there is a sort of um i don't know if it's one entity or like an a mass you know like a hive mind right. type thing something something's making decisions um and i think it's more abstract than that i don't think it's like this per- it's like, you know what i mean i don't think it's like this something is deciding how this goes but i think that um when she was when she started to be assimilated and she first got the spores in her i think that the whatever power or whatever it is was able to see in her mind how she felt about the biology and how she felt about um, these ecosystems in general that she'd seen in her life and how much she cared for this stuff. Uh, And I feel like it it kind of was a moment where it was like, okay, she's kind of this chosen one. And so when she was in a threat, when she was being threatened by a potential gun up on the lighthouse, um, I think that because we, we learn here in a second that, that the psychologist had also been infected in some way or she was attacked. So it was from, from when she was down in the tunnel with the with the uh crawler so since she'd been attacked she's already being assimilated as well somewhat so i think it was one of those things where they were like oh no like something made the decision to be like no she's important we don't want her to be killed the biologist we don't want the biologist to be killed here i like that um and i think there is evidence to support that later on and we get a sense that she is special and that she maybe is 
a more willing and more cooperative host for whatever this is, right? Like it through her has found found something that it can really work with. And so in that sense it would make sense that it that it would want to preserve her. So maybe it then for compels the psychologist to throw herself from the light the light tower. Now it's interesting because we're talking about this and it's like that makes some sense, but like the book we don't know a lot of this stuff yet, so it's all just really mysterious. Like it's it, we don't have a good answer in this moment of why this happened. It's just weird, right? Yeah, definitely. Okay, so uh, the psychologist admits to taking the anthropologist down into the tower, quote unquote, <laughs> um, and that the anthropologist got killed on accident by the thing down there. She uh, she says she noticed the uh, biologist changing and that uh, the psychologist herself is changing as well. The psychologist seems to try and kind of fuck with her mind a little bit here and says that she has memories of like passing through the barrier and other things that have been hidden from her and maybe even implanted, which is really like when you start talking about implanted memories and things you think are true not being true. That is a real mindfuck, and I think that, I hope, I don't know, I read it more as just the psychologist fucking with her, but, like, I don't know, man, like, well, is, she, does she have implanted memories? Like, how much of this stuff is even true? Because she, she even has this moment of, like, oh, shit, I don't know what's real and what's not, I don't know who I really am. This plays this a factor stuff. into, like, a kind of a theory, not even, I don't even, I can't even call it a theory because it's not that well formed. Just some inklings I got as the, as the book was wrapping up here at the end, um, we'll talk about it when we get there but i wanted to say that the idea that she she definitely has repressed memories because she got through the barrier and she doesn't remember getting through it so those memories are potentially like accessible if the psychologist wanted to open up her mind to them um so that's for sure and that would be interesting to see like obviously they kept that this is kind of one of those moments where they they kept they keep this in the dark because we we still don't understand if we saw her come through the barrier even in you know in the book we would kind of know what's going on here but since we don't we don't yeah i'll be interested to see how they handle this in in the in the in the movie because i think we are going to get a scene of them passing through the barrier just from what i've seen in the trailers so that's immediately a change because we don't actually get that scene it's all told through memory she's just in area x at the beginning of this novel and everything we get is a memory and then when this psychologist all of a sudden says, how do you know I didn't, you know, implant these memories in your mind? I'm just like, oh, shit, what is real? What, you know, what is this person even who she thinks he is and all this stuff? Like, and she even kind of has a moment where she she wrestles with this, but then she, you know, stops. <laughs> She's like, that way lies mad- madness, essentially. Um, and she also recognizes that the psychologist could just be fucking with her here. Um, the psychologist also says that the black boxes, uh, the warning black boxes with the light do, do nothing. So I, I, that is one thing I think I called. I'm pretty happy about. Yeah. We, yeah, we were both kind of on that. We, we kind of yeah. both thought that nothing would happen. I did. I did say that I thought that it would eventually come on. So I was wrong about that. I thought that well, it would eventually there play is, a factor. Uh, I, I think, I think, um, symbolically it does later. Cause she says yeah. like, if the black boxes did anything, it would be flashing now. Like she has this moment where she thinks that the, it would be, but yeah, I think it is. I'm wondering if they're going to make more of that in a, in a movie. Cause I think it, it visually, it might be more dramatic to have this thing that is revealed to do nothing than it was in the book. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, it does seem like the Southern reach in general is going to be a much bigger 
part of the movie than at least this first novel it is because it's all yeah. very distant whereas we're going to actually get scenes right yeah from the trailers we we can see a lot of uh i don't know i don't know i don't want to spoil anything for anybody who doesn't even want to watch the trailer so yeah that's true and we don't know because the tra- trailers lie man like it's yeah. hard to know um so okay so let's go on so she also reveals that the border of the area x is advancing and not only is it advancing it's advancing more every year so this is kind of an oh shit moment for our main character because she thinks that means that this area is assimilating the world you know what i mean like it's on if it's in, if it if something is get is increasing at an increasing rate you know what i mean mathematically that means it's going to take over the whole planet right right which is uh, a really interesting thing, too, because this fucking thing is weird and it like makes everybody kill themselves and each other. And it's you know what I mean? So this we're talking into the world stuff, right? Definitely. Now, we don't know what the rate is like. It's very ill defined. So who knows? Um, so then the psychologist dies <laughs> um, and uh, our, our main character is left thinking that maybe she shouldn't have come here at all. Maybe no one should have ever come here. I don't know. The psychologist dies without answering any more questions. Uh, the biologist goes through her clothes, finds a jur- finds her journal, uh, the psychologist journal. She also finds this weird fungus growing on this uh, on the bio- on the psychologist's arm and shoulder, and that looks like it spread from a wound, which we remember she took when she was down in the tower. So we think that she got wounded, and then now it's like this fungus, fuzzy fungus, has grown out of her, which is pretty gross. So, yes, like you said, she's definitely been infected by this thing, right? The biologist takes two skin samples um, and then gathers up all of her stuff and she leaves and we and we, she, she, we get another flashback to uh, her talking about her husband and how her husband was haunted by this memory, I'm um, sorry, by this dream, this nightmare that he kept having. But then later he found out it was just a movie, like it wasn't real. It was a movie he saw as a kid and didn't realize it was a movie and a horror movie. And then, he, but then he also started having a dream which called him to Area X, which is also really interesting because that he hadn't been there yet. So why would he have this dream calling him to it? I don't know. More conspiracy. See, this is there's so many things like like just sprinkled in that makes me think that there's something other than this biological thing that's happening in Area X. Like something's either yeah because he he start he like went to do like some sort of interview with them or something and then like it was like over the course of a few months he would go talk to the people at the southern reach and she now is realizing that over time he was probably getting hypnotized and that maybe some of his like compulsion to go was actually suggested through these meetings he was going to so yeah like you said maybe the southern reach is is literally programming people through hypnosis to want to go to this place for what reason, you know, who knows? Yeah. So the biologist leaves the lighthouse and heads back towards base camp. But as she's going, the sun sets and she's traveling in the dark, which she had mentioned not wanting to do. She passes through the weird village and then all of a sudden she starts hearing a moaning sound. And then a really weird thing happens where she finds this discarded skin that looks like a mask. And it appears to have once been from a human-like creature. And then she starts hearing this moaning And she thinks that maybe the thing that's moaning is actually like molting this skin like mask material. 
which this part was really creepy and weird and and I, I don't know i really liked it and i like the idea of this like swamp dwelling human-like creature kind of creeping around in the dark and shedding its skin and you know, it's really interesting um she she hears a thrashing sound it seems to kind of chase her she runs from it she sees a suggestion of a pale face with a huge bulk um but then she escapes and she climbs up a tree and spends the night in a tree uh, and then during the night, she sees shapes and lights and even thinks she sees, like, luminous eyes looking at her. But none of it, like, really gets to her. And then um, she wakes up in the morning to find that her skin is glowing. Uh, what did you make of this whole thing with the weird creature in the in the swamp? So, I, I mean, early on, so in the first episode, I talked about how I felt like I knew what was going on here. And um, for the most part, like, th- this is just, like, what I thought was happening was in this in this area, you know, nature is fighting back. It's this, this sort of new, extremely hostile, like, overtaking bio- biological area. And so it's fighting back against potential threats. So they see the people, it sees the people coming in, it assimilates them, takes them on, and, like, uses them as its own, like, tools, its own weapons. So I thought that that's, like, really all that this was, I thought that that's what the story was, was that nature is fighting back and assimilating anybody who comes in here. Um, so, and they keep talking about how this person looks like a human, we see kind of, like, 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 sh- this guy's mask, this face mask, and all this, all this stuff. So, and it seems like that's, that's what's been going on. Um, so I feel like we were right about that, but then there's such a crazy turn that comes here in a little bit, but specifically about, about this creature, uh, it stops, right? So it's chasing her and then it kind of glimpses her or sees her as it gets close enough and it stops and kind of like at the last second turns away and doesn't, doesn't attack her. And again, I think this is kind of that hive mind, whatever is, is pushing along this biology to do what it's doing um i feel like it was just like oh she's the you know chosen one for lack of a better term where it's like we don't hurt her she's she's you know she has a purpose yeah i i like that i think uh i also got a sense that this thing this place is like just making new organisms and and changing things and creating and it's just act of creation and destruction and it's ongoing, right? And so all these people who have died here and who have never or have just lost and disappeared here, never returned, we're left to wonder what happened to them. And I think these are this these things are the giving us the best chance at understanding that I think some of these things these people have gotten turned into some sort of creature. And they're getting twisted and they're getting I don't know if they're getting combined with something else. Like we saw the boar earlier on that had a similar kind of like pained expression. And she keeps seeing animals that seem like pained, which to me. Okay, so uh, this is, I guess, a minor spoiler for Full Metal Alchemist. But very early on, there is a uh, creature that is like a hybrid between a person and an animal. But that's all I'll say. And I kept thinking of that. I think they call them chimeras in that in that anime. Yep. And I kept thinking of that kind of thing going on here. And if you remember that anime, is like super creepy part. Um, and I, I thought of that here. Like this is a comp, like some sort of weird combination between a person and an animal. And it's like whole existence is agony. And that's why it moans every night, which is pretty disturbing. Yeah. And uh, she keeps talking about how I like that reference, by the way. I'm a big fan of that anime. Um, <laughs> 
she keeps talking about how she's see a lot a lot of uh how she how i feel like i was able to justify all these people being assimilated and becoming these new creatures was she kept talking about the eyes a lot so yeah. his eyes in the they night she would see she eyes. saw the eyes of the dolphin she saw the yeah. eyes she sees all they, like that's where she can see through to see that, that it was like there's human qualities there mm-hmm. yeah so she uh she also recognizes the the mask or she realizes in that the next morning that the mask that she saw looked like the psychologist from the previous expedition, which I guess she saw like a picture of um, or knew from her from her husband going on it. So I thought that was really interesting. So, so for maybe that that's him. Like if we want to know who is this, that's this creature. Maybe it was a psychologist from the previous expedition. Um, also, yeah, what would you make of her glowing in the morning? <laughs> like she notices her skin's glowing. I mean, it's awesome. She's like, she's I, I, the thing that I really like about this is as as it goes on, she's more and more assimilated, and yeah. she's getting these like interesting abilities and powers, and and like this this glowing is like, I don't know, it's just cool. It's a cool thing to to, and I also feel like it's maybe um, it's like a signal to the rest of the nature in the area, like not to attack her. Like her her glowing mm-hmm. is like. Yeah. Oh, like this is this is an important person. Yeah, maybe. So the next uh, thing that happens is she's walking down the trail, getting close to um, base camp, when all of a sudden she gets shot twice um, out of the blue by you know a sniper who we come to find out is a surveyor. Um, she is warmed warned of it by her like quote unquote brightness, which I think she calls the like mat you know the weirdness growing inside of her. She calls it the brightness. And it warns her to move right before she gets shot. And because of that, she doesn't get shot through the heart. Um, Now, she also gets her gun out. And they're, like, kind of having this standoff. And at one moment, the surveyor kind of pops her head up just for a second to, like, take a look. And our uh, biologist is, like, ready for it and shoots her in the head, um, which kills her, the surveyor. And she goes over and looks at the body and she starts feeling really guilty about it. So she picks up the body and takes it over to the river and, and kind of puts it into the river. So I guess it can become one with Area X. And then after she does, as soon as she does that, she kind of succumbs to her wounds for a minute. She like falls on the ground and is thrashing around and having this like really painful experience. Um, but when she comes back, she she crawls back to camp and she realizes that she's getting healed, really. And she even talks about this thing about brightness building underneath her skin um, and mimicking her skin, which I thought was like really creepy, and like I was starting, is she gonna start molting or something? Who knows? Right. You know, like yeah. the like this other thing. Um, she also talks about how the brightness, like it, like she it, uh, didn't allow her to like feel the pain of the wounds. Like she didn't really feel yeah. the pain, but she was like, so it was like other, it was like kind of out of body experience where she wasn't feeling the pain, but her body was like thrashing and dealing with the pain, obviously, and healing, and also that it wouldn't let her die. It was kind of talking about how it wouldn't let her die. Like it was like if it she feels she felt like if if it wasn't for this brightness stuff, she would have died there from her wounds and stuff. Yeah. So uh, she comes back to the camp and finds that it's in complete disarray, that the the surveyor has kind of destroyed everything. And then she finds the surveyor's journal, which has no writing in it at all, except for a short note that says the anthropologist tried to come back, but I took care of her. Um, And then uh that, that's all there really is in this camp, and uh, the biologist realizes she has enough supplies to live, and then she goes and she finds an empty grave that was dug by the surveyor that I guess we're, we're led to believe was meant for her, because the surveyor meant to kill her. And then that's the end of this part. Also, real quick, um, 
the before she dies, the surveyor says that she had to deal with the anthropologist uh, before. Yeah. So like the anthropologist seemingly came back and like she had to yeah. deal with her. So she probably had to kill her. Yeah. Which is which. Kind of so, something. so yeah, the only thing I can think of is because kind of later we find out some stuff about these like uh, doppelgangers that get made. And at the time we didn't know this, so I didn't know what to make of this, but I, that's my theory after finishing the book is that a doppelganger of the anthropologist was made and came up and that the surveyor killed, killed her. And then probably that, that basically drove the surveyor crazy and was like, I'm just going to kill everything. That's why she was not trusting. As soon as she saw the biologist coming back, she shot at her because it was just an irrational thing to do. And the biologist was like, something must have triggered this, this situation come to find out. She had to kill the anthropologist. Yeah, and I think the surveyor also, because she was able to shoot, I think this is our sign that maybe the surveyor was the only one not infected, right? Like, I think she actually was just kind of driven crazy by all the things that were going on, but I don't think she was actually infected by the place, at least not in the same way. Yeah. All right, before we get to part five, I'd like to take a moment to talk to you about Audible. Uh, we have an Audible affiliate link. It is audibletrial.com forward slash ink to film. And with that, you can get a free credit, which you can use on any book in their massive collection of books. And you can get that for free for 30 days. Yeah, it's a great service. We've used it. You and I have both used it a few times now for, for the podcast. Um, I mean, like we've said before, if you enjoy podcasts, you're going to enjoy audiobooks. Um, it's a great way to to actually hear the story. And most of the time, the person reading it is a great actor and they have different voices. It's just a lot of fun. It's a great way to experience a story. Yeah, I mean, I think I'll, I'll go ahead and suggest a little writer named Stephen King, which I think you may have heard of. <laughs> Wait, who's that? I saw the other, I saw the other day that he recommended, this is one of the books I think he recommended. And uh, I, I, think, I think that's true. If you're a fan of his, I think you're, you could potentially really like this book and vice versa. He's got a lot of really interesting psychological um, kind of books like The Shining, or, you know what I mean? And so I think almost every book he's ever written is on Audible. If you're a fan of Stephen King's and you want to listen to his stuff, I think Audible is a great place to go for it. I also wanted to mention that they have a great mobile app, which you can use to listen to your books in the car, uh, on the go, you know, uh, so you don't have to be tied to a computer to do it either. Yeah, absolutely. So if you wanted to use that affiliate link, again, it's audibletrial.com forward slash ink2film. All right, so part five is called Dissolution. And we start again with a memory. And this is a memory of the biologist who, when she used to live in the city and how she used to go out on these night walks um, where her husband didn't know where she was going. And she would go to this empty lot and she would visit it, and in this empty lot, there was, like, little creatures and little pools that had formed in, like, tire tracks, and it was this little tiny miniature ecosystem. And, you know, we had a sense that that was kind of her escape. And, like I said, again, she uses this memory to then bleed into the next thing that happens. So now we get her feeling drawn to the tower. And before she goes to the tower, she decides she's going to look at these samples she brought back with her. Um, she finds that her and the psychologist's sa- samples are both regular human cells. Which this is really interesting because I guess this is what's well, kind of scary too. This reminds me of the thing, right? That we <laughs> that we uh, that we watched and 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 had Mike Arnson on to talk about. 
this is kind of scary because we know these cells should be all weird. Like something has happened. But even under a microscope, they just look normal. So this shows how like fully the assimilation is, right? Like how it's like indistinguishable. Yeah, it's like mimicking. It's it's doing like this mirror thing where it, it it's using everybody else. It's yeah, it's just like a great cover, kind of how the thing does it. You know how the creature and the thing yeah. does it. Just well, assimilate, the, become them, and then and then infiltrate, take over. Yeah. Well, what's also really creepy, and I think backs up our theory earlier about chimeras. She then looks at the samples she took from a dead fox and from these like plant-looking human-shaped creature-like things she found, and she finds that those are also human cells. And so I think that really is underlines our idea about the a lot of the animals being like these human hybrids here. So next she moves on to her husband's journal, and she decides you know she saves it for last, and she picks it up and she reads it. And she immediately finds that the journal is addressed to her, which I thought was a really nice touch. Like the whole journal he wrote was addressed to her like a letter. Now we don't get it in its entirety. We get it filtered through her with a few sections, but I just like the the conceit of it being addressed to her makes it feel just really personal to me, which I thought was a really nice touch. Yeah. This whole, this whole situation with her and her husband, um, it, it's so well executed and we actually see in her character this this arc for her character she feels closer to her husband than even when he was alive and there's there's things that she starts to regret so much that he's gone because she feels like she understands him even more now because of some of the things that that she reads and thinks about so we find out that the 11th expedition was all male which is the polar opposite of this expedition which is all female why that is, we don't know, and we're never really given a good example, like good reason to know, other than I. It just seems like them trying things, right? Just seeing what would happen. Um, in the journal, uh, it's revealed that they they found the tower too, um, which she begins to suspect base camp is near on purpose because the Southern Reach wants the expeditions to find the tower. Um, for whatever reason, we don't know. <laughs> So they decide not to go down to, into the tower, and they decide instead to go to the lighthouse, um, basically because they just don't. They wanted to explore the surrounding area more. Um, when they get to the, the, the lighthouse, we find out that it looks much like how she found it, and they find the pile of journals. They find um, evidence of like gunfights and, and, and blood going on there, and that a bunch of violence has happened there. He, then they decide to split up. He wants to go north to try and find the border. Um, other people stay at the lighthouse. Other people, I think, re return to the tower. And so their groups, like, fractures immediately. And I think it's him and one other, like, maybe their surveyor go north. And what's happened, what happens when he goes north is really interesting. Um, they, they try and go to find the border, and they walk for days. But they find that they keep, like, not getting anywhere. So I wanted to get your take on this. So they, they can't actually reach the border. And eventually, so they, they walk for like, let's say they walk for a week. And then eventually they give up and um, they see, I think they see like lights and stuff happening back at the light tower. And so they decide to go back. When they walk back after walking for like a week, they only, it only takes them like three or four days to get back. So what is happening at this edge of this border? Like what, why can they not leave? I mean, it's, it's, we don't have a good answer for it. My theory yeah. is basically just like, 
everything in this book can be explained scientifically, or I guess kind of is how the biologist is, is justifying it. So, I mean, I don't think that's necessarily true, but I, I think it has something to do with um, this organization that sends them there doesn't want them to be able to leave easily. And somehow they're able to manipulate something into making it seem like they could never get out. But I mean, so you think it's the outside organization keeping them from leaving? Yeah, I don't think it has anything to do with the dome, just because it's too. Uh, at least from what I from what I gathered, the biologist keeps talking about how like everything that she sees eventually boils down to kind of being some sort of biological construct. So for it to not be for it to be like this just magic of some kind where they can't, you know, they're walking for a week and then a three days back. I don't know. Yeah. I think there there could potentially be another possibility. And that to me is that the place itself doesn't want you to leave. And we find out later that the 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 people, quote unquote, that leave are possibly doppelgangers and not actually the people who entered. So in that sense, maybe no one ever actually leaves. And this could be how. That it's able to fuck with your perception in a way to where I guess like you would be kind of walking in circles and not realizing it. That kind of okay. thing. Yeah, I can see that. And maybe, so maybe he's at the edge and they've just been walking in circles, but they can't actually leave. Now, what is introduced is interesting is the idea of this island that he sees and he's drawn to, right? And he thinks like there's something out on this island. It looks like there was maybe like people out there at one point or some sort of like something. Um, and I, I have to believe that this island becomes important in future books because we don't get a lot of it here. But there's importance led to this, like lent to this island, right? That's off the coast a little bit. Yeah. I, I mean, um, it, that I, that was something that I definitely wanted more answers for. I was talking about before where I didn't really mind. That was something where I was like, I would, I mean, obviously it's got to be, it's got to be a factor later on. Yeah. There's two major, so, I would say this, this island and one other thing were things that I'm very, very curious about. Right. Okay, so uh, so the, they return back to the lighthouse, and when he gets back, he finds that the rest of the people who were there have shot each other and killed each other, and the one who's left alive says that at some point, something not of this world came, and but he doesn't have like a good explanation for why they shot each other. And so, yeah, like, is this, what is this? Like, what, why, again, why is this happening? I, I, like, that's something that I don't think we ever get a good explanation for. Like, why, because this is before the biologist is there, right? And and maybe protecting her. Why does this thing continue to have people kill each other and, and, and this kind of stuff? Like, is it is it accidental or is it purposeful? Do we, could we ever know? I mean, I got to believe that it has something to do with this idea of like nature retaking the earth kind of thing. Okay. So it's just like, I think it's like, it doesn't in super fucked up ways, but I think it's just like its way of, of getting rid of threats and, and taking over. It just wants, it's, it's natural, like, you know, animal instincts or whatever it is, biological instincts are to overtake and use, you know, use these people as tools once they have assimilated them and it's kind of just decide like it's on a war path it's just gonna cut everything down until it's yeah everything if you think of it as a parasite then that does make sense because like i was saying in that video a lot of the parasites one of the things they do is they take steps to, pr to protect themselves and this could be seen as that right like it's this is how this thing protects itself from outsiders yeah so that could that could be that that could be it maybe yeah, what's funny about all the stuff that we're theorizing is um, 
one or two things could change and then we could be totally wrong about all the bio it could easily just be aliens like it could just be i mean yeah. i don't think it is necessarily but it could just be aliens or or some kind of well, dimension it could, be, hopping. it could be an alien like it could be like some sort of alien fungus yeah you know what i mean like it doesn't have to be like big-headed creatures who are like sitting behind a control panel doing this yeah it could be like some sort of hitchhiking fungus that arrives on our planet and then this is just how it spreads right yeah that's true it's it's yeah i i think that it's definitely something bio we know that it's biological so it's it's not like it's magic or it could be like dimensions meshing and we're getting something from another dimension or like you say some sort of i do think there's some interesting ideas that maybe this place isn't where it seems to be which is really interesting um and we don't get a good answer for that but um yeah that could potentially be a thing um so back to the 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 husband's journal after this, the uh, they, they, they go back to the tower and they find that the linguist of their group has killed their biologist and then went into the tower and said, don't come after me. I've gone, you know, I've gone to the tower. I'm not coming back. And him and this surveyor kind of wait outside the tower, hoping, like waiting to see if he's ever going to return. And uh, this is when we get this really weird short description of them seeing what they call like a ghastly per- per- procession of doppelgangers, uh, one for every one of their party, except for the psychologist, which is interesting because we know later that that could potentially be the moaning creature in the, in the swamp. So not him for some reason, but the rest of them, like a copy of all of them come out, including themselves, which is also really interesting because they weren't part of any of this. They went off to the north, but even themselves, there's two copies that come out um, looking just like them. And uh, they are, like, too terrified to, like, approach them. And they just kind of, like, walk away. And so we get that this is the group that, quote-unquote, returned. Um, which is really interesting because all of a sudden there's this, like, oh, shit moment because the husband then, we don't know what happened to him because he wasn't the thing that came out that then got sure. cancer. That was this doppelganger. Right. doppelganger. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. I, I, she also, I mean, she also had sex with it, so... It's like a weird <laughs> alien doppelganger creature that she had sex with. Yeah. Yeah. And then maybe, and like we, I talked about before that could maybe something from that doppelganger made her want to come here. Right. Like it's definitely possible through yeah. that act. She got kind of infected. So, and, I mean, now that we're talking about this, I didn't even think that she doesn't even think about that. She doesn't even think about the fact that like the, the husband that this, do you think she put the pieces together that the husband that was there wasn't the one that she, yeah, I think so. I think a couple times she she mentions something about well because she she wants to go find him and she think when right. she thinks about her husband she thinks of him as the guy right. who went north right right and not the thing that died from cancer. Yeah, so I mean she doesn't even think about the fact she doesn't that really she is, react to it. But I think yeah. she's she even says like she's numb to a lot of surprises at this point. That's and true. And we yeah. get an impression that the brightness is like changing the way she thinks about it yeah definitely because um, she even says like if she's like looking in the microscope at stuff and getting these revelations she doesn't react to it like she should be she doesn't like freak out she's just like oh yeah of course yeah kind of thing so maybe that explains some of it i don't know um so the final entry in the journal says that we just talked about this he uh, he went north on his own um he went he went to the to the lighthouse and left the journal on the pile for her to find and then she she thinks um she kind of imagines him in this boat going north and she feels very proud of him and feels like closer to him than she ever has. Like you said, that was a cool, I like that. 
Yeah, that was cool. But then she has this really chilling thought about how maybe that was maybe he that's why the dolphin eye seemed so familiar. Um, yeah, like maybe it was him. So she has this like, yeah, creepy thought that maybe he's like turned into a dolphin or something. <laughs> he and he easily could have. So, yeah, uh, it, it's very interesting because she like I said, she she like is feeling closer to him and he she because it's this brave moment where he finds a boat and decides to go off on his own to the unknown and and in search yeah. of this stuff and it's very cool and obviously it comes back to kind of play a factor in a second yeah it comes back around at the end so uh so she notices that her her bullet wounds are all healing and have gotten a lot better and uh she decides like there's nothing left to do going down into the tower so she descends into the tower she doesn't even need a flashlight at this point because she's glowing so much she can just yeah. see off the glow of her skin well, real quick i gotta i want to say uh, just before we get we get into like the the what this whole thing is from I, I wanted to say this because I felt really compelled to say this on the podcast from from here compelled from you say compelled <laughs> yeah I think I, I this weird plant was like growing in my house and spores got in my nose and uh, but so from from this this moment this section on through basically the end of the novel is my favorite section of any book that we've read Really? On the podcast, for the podcast, yeah. Well, I, and I'm not saying the book overall, but this section w- is, in my opinion, the most compelling thing that we've that we've read on the podcast so far. Cool. It was just fun cool. and weird, and we'll get into it. Yeah. Yeah, so what happens is she goes down, and, and I, I mean, I'm going to go through it quickly, but this takes a while, and, and I love the way Vandermeer draws these moments out. But um, she's going down, she starts to, like, the heartbeat and the slime and the brightness of everything gets starts getting brighter and, and louder, and she knows that she's getting nearer and nearer. And at one point, she even pulls off the mask she's wearing because she feels like her brightness needs to spew out. Um, and then she gets to this moment where she sees light, and she knows that the crawler's in the next room, and she goes down into the room with the crawler and flashback. So this is what I'm talking about. Like, And this could be frustrating in another writer's hands, but I think he does it well because he uses the flashback to inform what happens next. So we get a flashback to her back at the tidal pools that I think we, we talked about in the previous section where she, as, a, as a college student, she was out studying these tidal pools. And she thinks about one of the last nights she was there. She got drunk and decided to go out to see them at night because she had been studying them during the day. And she kept thinking, like, maybe they're different at night. So she goes out to see them and she finds this colossal starfish that she calls the Destroyer of Worlds. And she stares at it and finds that she it's irreducible and with her word to to the point of like classification that that science has given it and that staring at it, she actually feels like we don't understand anything about this thing. Like it's completely alien. And the more she stares at it, she also feels like she doesn't understand anything about herself. And she starts to feel like she can't even tell the difference between the water and the sky and like all this stuff gets really mind bending. And what I love about it is then she says seeing the crawler was like that but times a thousand yep so something else specific that we should mention about that was when she was at that tidal pool she was going through some turmoil in her life like she was running out of money for the grant that for her research uh for college and also she so she had been drinking when she got to the tidal pool so she was kind of living she was kind of being reckless when she was around the rocks like she was talking about how she was jumping rock to rock and she didn't care if she slipped in and drowned and hit her head and all this stuff and then, yeah, she sees this thing that's like so surprising to her. And then the crawler is however a thousand times more surprising or more interesting and like game changing for her. And now I could be completely wrong about this and I probably am. But this to me feels like what the heart of this story is. 
this feeling that's described in this moment. And it also seems to me like something that Jeff Vandermeer felt in real life. Because this feeling of looking at something and feeling like even though we think we understand it, we don't actually understand it. And extrapolating that out to mean that we don't actually understand anything and it's all an illusion and, and we know nothing about ourselves and about the universe. This kind of moment, if you have that, I could see that leading to this book. The, the, this book is all about that, right? And and it's cool that that's tied to the crawler, which is at the heart, which is at the cl- climax of this book. Like, I, I don't know. I really appreciated that moment. And I think using it to set up this moment with the crawler is really cool. So the crawler is described in multiple ways. Um, the one that stood out the most to me was that it was like a huge slug-like creature. But she also sees it as like a burning star. She sees it as like some sort of figure inside panes of glass that are distorting it. She notices that there are other creatures orbiting around it. She sees a shape of like a head and an arm writing um, that seem almost human. She talks about how something, she talks about how like it's outside of, she feels like it's outside of her, like the comprehension of her eyes. Like she feels like she can't look at it and like like understand it and it's like so otherworldly and so different yeah this reminds me a lot of this like i mentioned before the the connections to true detective but there's similar stuff there where that's referencing a a book a a material called the king in yellow which is about a fictional play that when you read it drove you insane and and all this stuff and and this feels very similar in that it's this like the unknowable and and how the secret truth of the universe drives someone insane if you were to know it and in this moment, it's like she's confronted with that. She also feels that she's flickering in and out, or it's flickering out in and out of existence, but also that maybe she's blacking out and then coming to, like, quickly. Um, she doesn't know what it is. We don't know what it is. Um, also, it seems to kind of turn at her at one point and, like, lunge at her, but then it also seems to not do that. So it's that was very odd. Um, she feels that she's drowning, and but she's drowning in light, I guess, and she, like... She feels like she like the brightness is like swelled and she's drowning in it. She really yeah, um, she feels like like she's going to die drowning, not like not like she feel, you know what I mean? Like she's like fully, Yeah, yeah, like, like it's killing her, yeah. So it, it's yeah, just she she and then like to to tie it back into what they were saying, she was talking about or what Jeff Vandermeer wrote a second ago about her at the tide pool, the tidal pool. Um she's kind of it's this very interesting like moment where she she is like remembering how she didn't care if she fell into the water and drowned and if she cracked her head open or whatever on the rocks at the tidal pool and like she's like kind of this whole it's coming full circle and she's like she's like feeling the drowning that she would have had at the tidal pool and like yeah her head it's just yeah. like it's all of these these moments are, are like intertwined yeah and the way he does that is really really masterful which it really impressed me this is a tough thing to write. <laughs> I mean, like, it, it's so weird to even talk about, but, like, to write it is so tough. Because as a writer, like, you have to make decisions about the things you say. And to to be able to, like, write paragraphs about something without coming down in some sort of way that explains anything is, it, it's really tough, I think. And I, I give them props for doing it. I was completely, yeah, I was enamored. It was, it was so impressive to me that like i i don't know man i was like this is this is so interesting because he's he's describing something that's indescribable he's describing he's describing nothing but everything and it's it's so wild 
Yeah. So she th- at this point she tries to run from it. Um and uh oh wait, before she has to run, she feels like she's burning. Um Oh wait, no, no, no. She does try to run, but then it, she feels it watching her and she feels like all these eyes on her and that she feels like she's prey and that it is now the observer. It is now her looking into the tide pool and she's the thing being observed and like all this weird like stuff where it's like swapping places and I thought that was really cool. And then uh, once again, she feels like she's blacking out and then she feels like she's being burned by this star and being like stuck with rods and, and pain. And, and there's like pain that she's never felt before. And then this passage comes to her from what I believe is the words written on the wall. And I wrote it down here verbatim. It is, there shall be a fire that knows your name. And in the presence of the strangling fruit, it's dark flame shall acquire every part of you. And so I thought that was really interesting because this is something I think we read earlier on in the novel. I didn't go back to confirm it, but I'm pretty sure this is something that was part of this like rambling lines, right? And it becomes full circle here. Do you think that, that so did you, I take it to be that the, the crawler is this dark flame and that that's what it's doing, that it's like acquiring her. Is yeah. That, is that what you got from it? I felt like a lot of the writing, um, even early on, I felt like it, it obviously it wasn't supposed to make sense to us. Like, like this is this, this is what's happening here. But I felt like it was always like parallels were being drawn between what was happening to her and kind of some of the stuff that was written. And yeah, I feel like, um, I, I agree with that, that it's, it, I always kind of felt like all of the writing had something to do with, you know, the things that were going on and the things that were happening to her. But this here seems like it, it was almost specifically written for her. Right, moment. like almost like a like a like a prophecy yeah. about something that was going to happen, which is interesting too. Because if that's uh, can it, can it, can this thing see the future? I don't know. You know what I mean? So that's really interesting. Yeah. Um. So after this happens, she gets tossed ahead of it, lower down, like basically farther down the tower, and she she wakes up and she feels like she's been used up and eviscerated, but she can breathe at least, and. She does think that that she has become the words that the thing now possess, possesses. <laughs> so mm-hmm. somehow she's been like the story of her has been absorbed by this thing. And that is also really interesting. So that like comes back around to what is this thing writing? Like what is the purpose of it? And a lot of that I don't think we get a good explanation for. We get some theories about it later, but... Um, yeah, it's, and do, it's you want, actively, do you want to talk about it now or save it? <laughs> well, I mean, it's actively <laughs> doing end. something also. So it's like yeah. it's it's the writing. The writing is uh, it's kind of hard to understand, and and like I don't think we get a great explanation for it. But the like while she when she runs into the crawler, and then afterwards, uh, it's like it's doing something. It's like digging or or doing moving something, or it's like it's in a, it's in this room doing some sort of action. And I didn't really understand. I thought it was what. just writing. Is it not was just it? writing on the wall? I okay, maybe that's what it was. Because yeah. it's 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 busy doing something later yeah. on and then she like looks at it and it looks at her and i felt like yeah, i didn't that, know exactly happens, what he that was happens doing. later let's 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 get to that um so next the, the first thing that happens though is that she gets up and decides she's going to head further down and because she's like i can't face the crawler again so she goes back down and she notices that there are old words written on the wall which is also really interesting like maybe this thing has done it before and it's a cycle right she also notices that the stairs start to look like the stairs from the lighthouse which is a really interesting detail that, uh, I, what do you think that means? I don't know, man. That's like, it's definitely, it definitely stood out to me when I read that, but I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. I feel like it has, 
uh, here in a second something happens yeah so she starts to see this door and it, it's like a it's like a square of light and she gets closer and closer to it but then she feels like she can't approach it anymore and she sits down and is like looking at it and she starts to worry that the psychologist programmed her in such a way that she can't go to the door and then she even thinks that she is perhaps suffering what she calls a prolonged form of annihilation which is another mention of the title of this book which is really interesting um and then eventually she turns away from the door feeling like she's been defeated by it and as she's walking away from it she feels as if something is watching her through the door but when she turns back she doesn't see anything and she she uh that she then starts to feel like there's nothing for her below only above and so she starts heading back up so before we get back to like the rest of it just on this door stuff do you have any theories about what this could all mean because i have like some ill-formed theories but i want to yeah hear this is first. this is kind of uh, what i was talking about before like i don't have any theories it's just like thoughts and things that were there that obviously are something that i just can't explain um but this this doorway having so i think her not being able to go through it i i don't think she's correct in thinking that it's the psychologist i think that it's that it's this hive mind or whatever this this brightness is is they don't want her to leave so it's preventing her from leaving but at the same time there's like an implication that like all of this may have been done by because we're getting into the as we get further into the tower we see that it's it's more i mean it was always man-made but it's cleaner and it's close to this doorway and it kind of feels like this might be the exit or entrance to to area x and yeah. it's like, is she being, has she been, has this whole thing been controlled? Has everything led to this moment where she can't leave? And um, are there people right there watching her? Oh, so you're is, saying, is it possible this is the border? This is how she arrived here? Yeah. Is it possible this, this is border? But also, is it possible that like the border is so close to where the crawler is because they are somehow like, is it that somehow the government or or southern reach is doing something to to is it i'm not saying like necessarily are they doing this but like are they com completely complicit in doing it like are they are they we know they're sending people in with no no real way of getting back but it's like it seems like they i don't know it seems more nefarious than that like it's it seems like they're doing it for a reason like so, like they're they're somehow getting something out of it rather than it just being experiments yeah man so i, I I'll, I'll hit you with some other weird thoughts that i don't feel like i have great backups for but this is th things i thought of so what happens immediately next i guess i'll say this first before i get to my thoughts what happens immediately next is she goes right back by the crawler and she finds that it doesn't seem to be interested in her this time so she's able to pass it by but just before she gets out of reach of it, she turns around and takes one last look at it. And when she does, she recognizes the shape of a human inside of it. And that human she recognizes as being the lighthouse keeper from the photo that she saw in the lighthouse of the lighthouse keeper. And she has this moment where she feels like it's him. And then she also notices that there are things orbiting around it that might be her, its jailers. Like something's keeping him there. And she doesn't know whether or not he's like a prisoner or if he's complicit in it or what and then she and then she leaves so the reason i mentioned that part is it kind of comes back to my theory that i've kind of formed about this that is who knows but so 
if this if the lighthouse keeper combined with something else is the crawler and he's making these words is it also possible that the entire quote-unquote tower is a creation of his as well and that it's a creation through this other thing that leads somewhere where does that lead i don't know maybe back to a home world if this is an alien um, maybe somewhere else that it's trying to get to. I don't know. But um, so so the reason I guess my reason the reason I say that is because it starts to look like the lighthouse stairs. Mm-hmm. So if he is the lighthouse keeper and he is somehow creating this space that she's in as an extension of self, maybe that's why it looks that way. Maybe that's what that means, like that hint. Yeah. Um, and then the words, it's like, I don't know what that means. And it's something about transcribing what's happening in the, you know, through the, the entire area X and it's transcribing it on the wall as some sort of record or some sort of, um, rune that has some sort of purpose. I don't understand. I don't know. And I, I, that ambiguity, I guess could be really frustrating for people, but I just find that it's fascinating and and cool. (laughs) Yeah. It's great, man. I see What's funny is I didn't even think of the doorway as a doorway to another dimension or another planet or anything like that. So yeah. now that you say that, it's really interesting and I have even more thoughts on it because it's like like cuz then you then you're almost removing the element of the southern southern like southern reach kind of is just like sending people in to figure out what's going on at this point. Yeah. And so it's like this is like some other being or race or whatever it is of 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 beings that yeah. are that are like they they're if it's a portal or whatever it is and they're they're actively yeah i don't know man this is it's just <laughs> it's interesting right like i don't know what it means like i have these thoughts but i don't know what they mean yet and and right. i feel like i could think about it for a long time i know that there's probably more answers and maybe more questions in the next books so i am really interested to read them but yeah, I don't know, man. I uh, I have a lot of theories, and I don't know if they're grounded or what, but um, there they are. So let's get to the end here. So she she leaves the tower. Oh, yeah. So she, when she looked at the, the lighthouse keeper, I should also mention that she looks like she saw unending agony in his eyes, and she, like, pities him for what he's been doing, and he's been trapped in this act. And she thinks that maybe he's been driven mad and all this stuff. So, yeah, we get a sense that the, well, whatever's been happening with the lighthouse keeper has not been pleasant for him. Yeah, and it's funny because she says that she sees this agony in his face, but also at the same time she sees some sort of like ecstasy, and then yeah, she also where there's thinks, a lot of that of like uh, things being terrible and beautiful, and yeah. pain and pleasure, and yeah, and a lot so of that it's like she like she like is looking at him trying to she's like she's like talking about how she'd never seen that that uh, emotion in someone's face before, and it was like a new thing to her, but she could decipher kind of what was going on and uh, very interesting stuff. Yeah, so we get another flashback here to her talking with her husband, and this was right before he left. And we found we find out that he said to her, "When if I don't come back, I want you to come. Like, will you come look for me?" And she didn't answer. She kind of gave a non-answer by saying, "Oh, you're going to come back." And then she has regret, and she feels like she wished she had said something to him, given him some sort of answer. Yeah. And I, th- but what's interesting is I think that unfinished conversation is kind of what drives her here at the end because what she decides to do, well, she puts together this theory first before we get to what she decides to do. And she thinks about a thing like a thorn stuck in a wor- in the world, which when I hear thorn, I imagine this tower is like kind of like a thorn, right? Stuck in the yeah. world. 
And she says that she imagines it as something that mimics, assimilates, and changes. That it has a really alien mindset of go- and goals, and it's unknowable. Um, and that she doesn't feel like this is a bad thing. And in fact, she feels like she's kind of become part of it now. Um, but then she also thinks, like, I could be wrong about all of this. <laughs> yeah, kind of um, how we feel about the book. Yeah, and we I like this too because it's like, like... I don't know, man. It could We could be wrong about everything. Yeah, if this whole thing is like a force of nature, and I could definitely see a biologist looking at it and feeling that, like, nature reclaiming society is, like, actually a good thing. Mm-hmm. And so I can see why she would actually other than just being compelled to, I can see how she might actually be on its side, quote unquote, right. which she says there's not even really sides, but you know, if you want to think of it that way. Well, she says that she felt like um, when the psychologist said that she'd like switch sides, that maybe she meant like she'd like literally switch sides to the side of this biological thing that's going on. Yeah. So that's her, I guess, theory. So that's the only thing we really get about what she, what it could be going on here. And, I, and, and it makes sense, and I think it backs up a lot of what we're saying. Um, now, she, next, the last thing she does is she goes to the lighthouse, and she leaves behind the journal that this that she says, this is the journal you're reading now. She ties it up with her husband's journal and, I think, some photographs or something, and she leaves that on top of the pile of journals for the next expedition to find, I guess. And she makes it, like, not as hidden as it used to be. And then she thinks about how this current cycle is going to end when the crawler reaches the bottom. And like some sort of destruction or something's going to happen, which is really interesting too, because I don't know what that means. And I don't know how she knows that um, other than maybe that's something that went happen- happened with her husband. So the cycle nature of this is also something not explained. And I'm assuming yeah. it's probably more explained in the next books. Like what happens at the beginning of the new cycle? What does the cycle, what does the end of the cycle mean? What, you know, what is all that about? Um, and then she thinks about how she wonders what she will even be when the 13th expedition comes. And she ends by saying she's going to go follow her husband um, and, and kind of retrace his steps. But she's going to do this part alone without us, without the journal. And that this is just for her. And when she when she's hoping that she either will find him or if not find him, she will at least be able to see the things that he saw. And the last thing she says is, don't follow me. I'm not going to return home, which is which echoes what the um, I think the linguist said before he went into the tower before. Um, And so, yeah, she essentially becomes a part of it. And she even says, like, if they do find me eventually, what form will I be? Will I be will I just be the eyes of a creature in in a river kind of thing? Like she doesn't even know what's going to happen to her. Yeah. Um, So and that's where we're left, which is, I think, a really mysterious weird scary poignant way to end this book and i think it's a perfect ending for it yeah i I love the ending here and it feels like the story keeps going beyond the scope of what we have which is also really thought-provoking and it's weird too because like this book could just be a standalone book it's really interesting that this is a trilogy because i feel like this book this could have just been a weird fucking book that stood stood the test of time is like what the hell is this book about you know what i mean like it it almost would be interesting if there was nothing else with it you know yeah that's what i that's what i I almost don't like i really do feel after having read it that i don't know if i want uh, like many of the answers like i feel i feel like i i I wonder but i almost hope like what if it's not as interesting you know what i mean it's the whole idea of of things being unknown and the imagination being a little more interesting or or it's you know what i mean it's harder to put that stuff on a page and be as impressive as somebody's imagination 
completely agree um i i think i will read them just because they are there and i i want to give jeff vandermeer the benefit of the doubt that he had a reason for writing them and that it was all part of his vision but you know that the test will be the proof will be in the pudding you know i'll read it and see you know but it's really interesting to think of like what this book would be if it was only itself and and i can't know that until i read the sequels and, and see what they add or subtract to the story um, but I, I also wonder if anything now from what I've heard, it doesn't seem like anything from the future books is going to be in this movie. It seems like this movie is all about just this book. That's good. That's what I I've heard. That, yeah. I mean, I hope I hoped that it would just be this one book. So that's good. Well, yeah, that, I, we can get into it in the movie section. I don't want to spoil anything here, but I've heard a few things that that seem to back that up. Um, but yeah, we've reached the end of the book here. Is there, is there any other general stuff you want to talk about or, or, or predictions about the movie? Anything like that before we, before we wrap um, up I mean, uh, like we were saying how it gets really trippy at the end. And honestly, while reading this, I was like thinking about like, if he did, he did these walks in the, in the forest and stuff. And like, I feel like he went on like the spiritual journey. And I also wonder <laughs> how many of these, how much of the spiritual journey was fueled by drugs because like this is like he goes there man like i i don't i don't know like he probably didn't but it just seems like he really got in tune with nature and and i don't know i really enjoyed it i would say i I, I highly recommend it i don't know what's that (laughs) i said i don't know and i don't really want to speculate but uh it's definitely possible he yeah he did a great job i thought it was really interesting again very unique I had a great time reading it and I, I recommend it. Um, I think I will eventually check out the, uh, the other novels as well. Yeah. Uh, I'm in the same boat as you, I guess. I, I, I feel like I would recommend this book, but I, I, I would only recommend it to certain kind of readers, I guess, because there is, there are certain things about this book that aren't going to appeal to everybody. And I guess now that I finished it, I'm starting to get a better sense of why it seems to be polarizing and why it seems to have, mixed reactions you know i can i can see i can see why this is yeah. a very unusual book and in the way that unusual thing strikes you is going to affect how you feel about it at the end you know that is true yeah i mean i yeah i guess I, I i agree with you i just recommend it if you think it sounds interesting in any way give it a go because it's it's a it's a really wild ride yeah or if you've read it and you're we've you've been using this as a companion piece uh i hope that we maybe help shed some light on some stuff and maybe introduce some theories you might not have thought of. And we would love speaking to that. We would love to hear from you. If you have theories about this book, if you've read this book and, and you're sitting here going, no, they're completely missing this one part or they're completely (laughs) ignoring this one factoid or whatever. Um, yeah, please write into us, uh, ink to film at gmail.com and let us know. We'd love to hear some of that. And maybe we could talk about it on the movie episode. Um, if we have time, uh, that would be awesome to hear. Just I would ask, I guess, don't spoil anything from the second and third books if you have read those, because I would like to kind of approach those books unspoiled. Yeah, that'd be my own request. Agreed. And if you wanted to reach out in any, in any other way and contact us, we are available on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. All of those are at Ink to Film, and I mean we're pretty active on there. Yeah, absolutely. And um, a, a way to help us. Speaking of that, is whenever we share our our posts for new episodes, if you could share those posts to your friends and your family and the people you know, you really would help us kind of spread the message and get the word out. And assimilate. we want to we grow this podcast and we want to assimilate the entire world eventually and, and <laughs> bend it to our will. So that's that's kind of the goal. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and you can help us do that. You can be a vector, right? Yeah. I mean, we're just parasites at the end of the day. So help us out. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Or another way to help us grow is to uh, to subscribe. Um, apparently, that's a really big uh, factor in, in iTunes um, ratings and like where they'll show if they'll show the show. It's like subscriber numbers. So don't just listen piecemeal, like subscribe if you want to help. Um, and then beyond that, leaving us a rating and a review can uh, also really help get the word out. All right. And lastly, we just wanted to say thank you to Ross Bugden for the use of our intro and outro music. And also thank you to Audible. Uh, once again, we got an Audible affiliate link. It's audibletrial.com forward slash ink to film. And with that, you get 30 free days for their service and one free audiobook in their huge collection. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm super excited for this movie. Uh, I, we will be back once we've seen that with all of our reactions uh, to the movie a, 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 as it is and also in comparison to this book that we uh, we both loved. Yeah, I cannot wait to break that movie down. It's going to be so interesting. All right. I hope you return and join us for that. Until then, I'm the writer. And I'm the filmmaker. See you next time. <laughs>